Hey listeners, Dennis Wisco here. As we continue this first time buyers episode, episodic series, if you will, we're going to hear from a mother daughter. And it was very refreshing to have this conversation with the both of them because you can hear some of the wisdom of the mother being passed on to the daughter and also the daughter looking to explore her adulthood through financial responsibility. So here's another episode of a consultation that was given to a mother-daughter who are both in the market for a vehicle. I hope you enjoy. But before we get to today's episode, I want to thank Wisco Weekly Media Partners, Comotion Miami, Automotive Mastermind, and stay tuned for an upcoming episode featuring Automotive Mastermind. And I also want to thank Thought Leadership Summits. Thought Leadership Summits is having their virtual conference on July 28th and August 4th. Listeners of the show can receive 20% off admission. You can visit wiscoweeklypod.com slash TLS and learn more about this particular conference. There's a handful of prior guests of Wisco Weekly that will be speaking at this affair, specifically Ephraim Barcelo, who is the general manager and managing partner of Santa Margarita Toyota, Mike Cavanaugh, who is the executive vice president at Max Digital. We just did a most recent episode about a week ago uh, or so. You should have a listen to that if you get the chance. And also there's Ali Fawaz, who is the general manager of reputation.com. Had the chance to meet him at NADA earlier this year and meet him and interview him. And he's a good good dude as well. So all those three gentlemen who were a prior guest on the show will be speaking at the conference. So again, check out wiscoweeklypod.com slash TLS to learn more about this affair and get 20% off by using the discount code WISCO20, WISCO20. Now, let's get into the show. Yeah, so I mean, for me, I recently located to the Southern California area, Los Angeles, and um, getting a car is difficult. I don't know like where to start, uh, what to look for. And there is this stigma of being a female going into a car dealership and, and kind of having issues there versus being a male and being able to kind of negotiate those questions. So as a first time buyer, my biggest thing is not knowing where to start, right? And knowing what type of vehicle is the best vehicle. I have worked in the past with my parents who have gotten me vehicles and um, they've leaned more towards uh, foreign cars versus American cars. But I think for me, it's really finding something that's reliable, that's going to get me from point A to point B, but that's also good on gas, as well as keeping in mind um, that the maintenance of the car is not going to be too expensive where it's not within like my budget or my range. And so thinking about all those layers can be a little overwhelming as a first time um, car buyer. There is this adage in the car business that when young females walk onto the lot, 
that oftentimes they don't know exactly how the car buying process works. So the teeth of salesmen and women sometimes start to salivate uh, upon what they would see as a very big pounder, as they say, which basically means making a really big commission off of a female first-time buyer, a young female first-time buyer. However, this is also an image that is not as often practiced or is not often accepted anymore these days because as with most buyers, hardly anyone ever buys the first time they go and visit a store anyway. And so the likelihood of this image of a woman, a young woman being taken advantage of, in my experience, doesn't happen often. Now, what you can hear through the undertones as well as the things that she's not saying, you can hear that cost is a very big issue and it will be a very big deal for her. So immediately she should know and as well as the salesperson should know that in order to make a quote-unquote good deal happen, it is going to boil down to the costs of everything. For example, it's not just going to be a matter of the cost of the car or the price of the car, but it will also be about what is the cost of maintenance. How does the miles per gallon translate to monthly fuel expenses and annual maintenance costs? And those are something that it's not often easy to discern how those costs can figure out to be. I would say as a guiding rule of thumb, you can look at it in the sense of, well, if I'm driving a thousand miles a month and my fuel tank can get me on average 300 miles on a full tank of gas and a full tank of gas costs me, let's say, and I'm using the lowest octane level at 87, a full tank of gas will cost me $30. Well, then to drive a thousand miles in a month, that would mean I would have to fill up at least, you know, just, just a, a bit over three times per month. If every full tank of gas costs me $30, then I'm looking right at about 90, again, over $90 a month in fuel expenses. So that is hopefully an easy way to calculate what your expected fuel costs may be. So then over the course of a year, if if it's going to be, let's just round up, let's say it's going to be $100 of fuel a month, then obviously times 12, there you go, $1,200 is what you should expect and budget for. On the maintenance side, the maintenance is going to definitely be a great question to ask and to ensure that you have an outlook of what the next two years look like. Why do I say two years? Oftentimes you can, you know, Getting an oil change is, is usually a very inexpensive service to get on a particular car. However, if you look at the cost of maintenance over two years, usually by the second year, it's not just going to be an oil change. It's going to be something bigger. 
and at least knowing what that two-year projection is going to be will hopefully alleviate some of the worries of getting the car or purchasing the car that is of most interest to you, and in this case, to Nakia. So let's move on, and now let's also hear from Nakia's mother, Mrs. Tyson. You've been in the same car, essentially, with Nakia as she's driven? No. No, you haven't. No, um, I'm in Maryland. You no, think- Ma, he's saying in general, have you ever rode in the same car as me, like when I was oh, yeah. driving? Oh, yes. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Okay. How would you How would you describe her driving? So why ask such a question like this? Well, one of the things that I've found to be very helpful is to balance out the expectations of the buyer versus the reality of the car that they are either most interested in or a better suited car for them. So by understanding the driving habits of Nakia, therefore, I can understand if the car that she is actually most interested in suits her driving style. Because oftentimes, since buying cars is often an emotional thing to do, it's an emotional purchase, we sometimes tend to look at cars not necessarily of their function, but rather of how, they, how it looks and how it reflects upon the driver. Let's get back to Nakia's mom. How would you how would you describe her driving? Oh Jesus! <laughs> and 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 mind you, there, this this is there 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 is a science behind why I'm asking this. I'm not asking just for purely entertainment purposes. So okay, I think Kia is is a very good driver to a point. She can be impatient, and um, I really think she's a good driver. She just needs slow her patience then with traffic is the impatience would you relate that to more that she has a heavy foot or a heavy foot on the gas or a heavy foot no. on the brake neither one of those it's like she gets frustrated with traffic but um she's not a fast driver at all i'm, I'm more of a fast driver but um I, she's a, she's a good driver. It's just she takes risks that I wouldn't take. Okay. Okay. <laughs> if that's the case, and when I say risk, I'm saying I'm not the U-turn driver. She's the U-turn driver. <laughs> okay. Okay. And, that's so. Other than, other than that, she's a great driver. She's just the U-turn driver. I'll be like, why you got to do so many U-turns? But at any rate, that's just personal preference. Um, I'm a little bit laid back for that from that process, but she's really a good driver. So here is just an example of how what the driver and the buyer, that being Nakia, would probably never look to consider in her first car is the turning radius. Because especially if she is doing a lot of U-turns, then you want to be able to have a car that has a really good turning radius to prevent doing a three-point turn or, hell, a six-point turn, you know. Nikia lives in Los Angeles, and oftentimes in Los Angeles, drivers are not the best, and streets aren't the best, and parking is not the best. 
So the ability to maneuver your car is of paramount interest. And in this case, then, she wants to be able to narrow down the cars or perhaps she wants to ensure that as she goes and test drives cars or and looks at cars, that she gets a feel of the turning radius of these cars. This is just an example of how to match the expectations and the wants and desires of the buyer to the actual car that they will end up buying. Um, this is Miss Tyson. I uh, told her to inquire about it because in this area, we have a place called Mannheim. And a lot of the brokers or the dealers go there and purchase. They are the only ones that can purchase cars from that lot, those areas, from that area. So that was the only reason I asked. I knew we had that on this coast. And I just assumed they may have the same thing on the West Coast. I don't know. Yeah. It, uh, so um, your description is accurate and how it applies here in California as well. Um, there are auctions and in order to go to the auction, you have to be a broker or a dealer in order to get cars from there. The one reason why I would not advise going to an auction or even me going to an auction is that still at some point, um, you know, the, the main benefit, the reason why somebody goes to an auction is that you're, you're buying a car as is. Right. And provided, let's say, if you're a mechanic buying the car as is, then it's OK because you're buying it for less money. And then therefore you you can do the own you can do your own inspections. Um, and that's where a dealer in this case is actually really good when they go to auction, because when they buy it, they have to recondition it. They have to inspect it. And now they are held liable for that. And so. Um, in, in this particular case, it wouldn't make sense to go to an auction to get a car. It's just best to look at a dealer to, to get the car from. There is often this inquiry among buyers about looking to obtain a car from the auction. And it's a rather interesting point of view because why can't a consumer look to buy a car as is at the auction? At the moment, the way that the auctions work is you need to have a license, and that license usually denotes that you are a broker, a wholesaler, or a dealer. And once you pick up those cars, you buy those cars at auction, then you take them into your inventory. You have to go through the same DMV process as normal, and then you look to recondition the car. Well, the nice thing if in a truly free market enterprise, a consumer should be able to go to the auction, buy a car that they see, buy it knowing that it is as is, right? Whatever is on the car, any scratches, anything of that nature, they're buying the car as is. And then for simply the consumer to say, you know what, since I am buying this and this is my car, while a dealer may want to get it up to a standard, maybe I, as the buyer, don't have that particular standard. Maybe I have a higher standard or a lower standard. Maybe my higher standard is to mod out the car and I want to put on some bigger wheels and tires and I want to put on some nicer exhaust tips on there, right? Well, 
certainly because if you were to buy the car at a lower price at the auction that is as is, you are saving a little bit of money. On the opposite end, if you have a lower standard where perhaps the tire measurements on the vehicle you're buying at auction measures out at, I don't know, 430 seconds, which is relatively low, but safe, you know, maybe you don't buy tires right away. Maybe you wait two more months to buy tires. And so that is the option of buying at an auction. And I actually do wish and hope that sometime in the near future, consumers should be able to do that. I think that's actually a very smart business solution for both sellers and buyers of cars. Are you looking to put any money down? So ideally, um, and own a car, and this is something I was discussing with my mom, is like I could put like $3,000 down or, you know, explore just paying the car in full. Now, if you recall from the previous episode with Joseph, the naval officer, he had mentioned putting $20,000 down or paying it off in full. Nikia here is suggesting that she has the ability to put $3,000 down or pay off the vehicle in full, which I don't think that's what she means here. And as a matter of fact, her mother comes in to correct her a bit. Well, you're talking about um, Nikia. You're talking about outside financing. Yeah. Okay. Not right. financing through the dealership. So Nikia's mother is absolutely correct here, where on one hand, you can obtain financing through the dealership, and that financing will either be done through the auto, through the lender of the automaker, or the, the lender could be your traditional bank, Bank of America, Wells Fargo. It is often surprising how many customers will bring in a check from a bank and that check is written in the total amount of the vehicle plus sales tax. And their explanation is they are paying the car off in full cash when a lot of the dealers know that this is simply the check you were issued from the bank in order to finance the car through the bank rather than going through the quote-unquote dealership. Again, a dealership doesn't have, a dealership is not a lender. A dealership is just a middleman to the lender in which that lender could be the same lender, could be the same bank in which you obtained that check. My other question too for getting pre-qualified, mm. are we saying that we should do one or the other just because they do have to run your credit in order to pre-approve you for a certain rate? Um, what I'm saying is that you can do both. Okay. And, and I don't, I don't think this is going to be a big deal at all. I, I, you, you can definitely do both, but you want in, in this order, you want to first get the approval from Navy fed or USAA. Right. Second, then you can go to the dealer and then they can do it, provided that you disclose to them that this is the rate that you're getting. And if they can't beat it, then there's no point in having them run your credit. Got it. 
Um, I, you know, I, I will just tell you anecdotally that in my time of selling cars and finding somebody or, or meeting a customer who has USAA or Navy Fed, nine out of 10 times, we often just went with their financing because mm. the, the rate was either better and if it wasn't better, if it was equal to what a dealer could get you, um, usually there was another factor which made having Navy Fed or USA more convenient, i.e. because you already bank with them in terms of making automatic payments. Um, you know, it, that was just an easier setup as opposed to signing up for a new account, uh, inputting all of your bank information and, and again, just kind of going through additional work that sometimes you just don't have to do. Well, that was good advice by me, if you don't mind me saying. Anyhow, it is true that oftentimes credit unions have rates that often beat the traditional banks in terms of the lowest rate that can be offered to the consumer. Now, as I had mentioned in the previous episode with Joseph, a lot of the manufacturers and the lenders of the manufacturers specifically are offering very, very low rates, like 0% financing. And they're going to do this for at least the next six months, perhaps even a year. I mean, this was the same case back uh, after the 08 financial crisis as a way to incentivize people to buy cars. Why not offer 0% financing as long as they buy the car? Because Miss Tyson is just as green as Nakia, except I have purchased a car <laughs> and my husband has helped me. But, you know, not all the lessons were learned. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just asking a question like, OK, with me and my husband, we walked in, we said we're only paying thirty two thousand. I don't care. Tax titles, tie, everything to walk out the door. They say yes or no. And that's it. And so if they say no, we say, okay, cool. And we're gone. Now, this is often a negotiation tactic that has been used with the older generation, with the baby boomer generation, as indicative of what Mrs. Tyson is saying here is, hey, I have $32,000. This is what I'm willing to spend out the door on this particular car, take it or leave it. Now, where I do believe that using this type of negotiation tactic may still be relevant, it may often backfire more often than not these days. And the reason for that is retailers are using more data or they're being more data driven about their decisions. And so Mrs. Tyson and her husband, as they're looking at cars now, they may look, you know, they may scour the Internet and find the car that they want. And they've already invested five, six hours over the course of a week, two weeks to research cars only to get to the store. And once they give a final offer, a take it or leave it offer and the dealer says no, well, what's kind of missed in this opportunity for Mrs. Tyson to secure the car is that these dealers, they see what the market data is on 
how cars are selling and specifically how used cars are selling. So if the customer is so firm about a take it or leave it offer, well, it doesn't give the ability then for the customer to understand that in this new data-driven world, in the world that Nikia will be buying her car, that retailers are just smarter and for the, and it's made them better retailers as a result. I mean, it's it's more honest and more transparent about how they price their cars. And so therefore, price is no longer as much of an issue as it once was. Well, that's another question I wanted to ask you. When is the best time in the market to even buy a car? Mm, the multi-million dollar question. And as I look into my crystal ball, what I see on the best time to buy a car, and specifically a used car, is when you find the right one. Used cars are like fingerprints. Every fingerprint is unique and every used car is unique. Every used car may be a, the same year, make and model, but the condition is different. The miles are different. If you find the right used car, then you should pounce on it as soon as possible, provided that you did your homework and you did all the quality inspections needed to buy that car. Otherwise, the used car market and the pricing of the used car market will remain fairly stable for the foreseeable future. Fairly stable meaning that what the price that you see on the internet there's not going to be a whole lot of deviation and maybe no deviation from the actual purchase price. Why is that? Perhaps the easiest explanation would be to look at the business models of CarMax and Carvana. Those are two companies that are successful used car superstores and they are billion dollar businesses and they have a model that it is a no haggle price. So when you have these two big used car retailers that have proven a model of no haggle pricing, when you add to that that automakers are shifting their business because of COVID, because of lower capital, because of a shortage of staff, then the alternative for the automotive ecosystem to sell cars is going to be through the used car market. And so you're going to have a lot of retailers move to that Car CarMax and Carvana model, which ultimately is a good thing. It puts a check on the entire marketplace that cars cannot simply be priced arbitrarily and therefore prices will be competitive to one another and hence that is better for the consumer.
So if you do find a car, a used car that you like, best to do your homework on it and look to buy it as soon as possible. Okay, Dennis, it was really nice talking to you, and and I learned a lot myself. I'm in the market myself. (laughs) I'm going out this weekend so I can try to find me a car. And uh, so it kind of helped me along the way as well. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Wisco Weekly. Be sure you hit the subscribe button to continue to stay informed about the new business models for the mobility of people and goods. And it was as we end every episode. Cheers, prost, lachaim, kipis, nastravi, salut, kampai, mabruk, tutsins, gambe, yamas, nastarovie, vo, and salute to the customer experience. <laughs>